Hi, it's Rob Cantrell. You are listening to Rob on Recovery. I am riding in the back of my parents' Toyota on the way to Tennessee with my favorite uncle. There it is. There it is. And we're going to another uncle. Well, his great, great uncle. Well, his gra- my great uncle. And we're going and to... That a, makes you the great nephew. Uh, the greatest. Yeah. And, I'm, uh, and, and we're going to another great uncle's 82nd birthday. So He's I'm, old. He's old. But I want to introduce you to this guy. He was in radio for many, many years. Vernon Arnold, just the king of cool. How are you today? Yes, and I became known as Uncle Vernon. Actually, I was born an uncle. Your dad, Rob, your dad is a couple of years older than me. And so when I was born, I came out as an uncle. That's amazing. And you were born where? I was born in DeKalb County, Tennessee. I was at home. It was rather scary. It was, it Dad was, had gone to town and Mama had gone to the store, and I was there by myself. If you believe that. I was going to say, okay, you were born there by yourself. Okay, <laughs> got, okay you're good. You're good. If you well, believe so, that, we've got some land over so, here in the swamp right. we want to sell you. Well, well, so how does a person go from Smithville, Tennessee, to uh to a life in in radio outside of uh, outside of Tennessee. What happened? It How did you called, leave? It was called school. They told me it was a school. It was Mid South Electronics, and they tried to teach me not to use that twang. I was born raised, I half raised in Middle Tennessee. And we have a tendency to twang. Hey, how y'all doing over there? That's right. That's right. And so, we, we have some colloquialism going on. Well, they have it. So you were you were uh, born in Tennessee, and, and can I say what year? 1938. Okay. That was the Great Depression. It was the Great Depression. I'm a Depression baby. What was a, what was your young childhood like living in the Depression on a farm in Tennessee? Well, you'd you'd work when mom and dad told you to work. Otherwise, you sit down or pretend you're sick. Oh, okay. You could do either. It was, but there was work. Yeah. Sometimes you had to have tears. Oh, that's not always good. Did uh, so? You stayed there through the 1940s. That's a World War. That's a World War II era. Actually, through high school, I graduated in 1957. And so in 1957, well, the world had changed. That's when a Chevrolet, a 57 Chevrolet was new. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> so did you did you stay, or what did you do upon graduation from high school? I went to a, a radio school, we called it. Actually, it was Mid-South Electronics. It was mostly, uh, mostly put together in Nashville, Tennessee, for veterans at oh, that time, well, let's back up. Were you have, were you a veteran by then? Not at that point. Okay. Uh, later, I was, but not at that point. But during that time, the people who had come home from World War II could draw a check if they went to school, and so there was all these we call them schools popping up everywhere. Right. You would learn a trade, and the federal government. The idea was that if you had served your country, you had not had the opportunity to get an education, so they would help out with a monetary end of it. Well, that's, a, see, that's a great thing. So what made you decide to get into radio? I always kind of liked it, and I'm kind of a show-off anyway. And so, the, uh, uh, so you went to the school, and then uh, at some point, did you work at a radio station then, or did you go into the military? Actually, yeah, at, at the school, uh, once a week. Me to give him one of those 
<laughs> that's, and that's my mom in the background talking. Yeah, yeah. She's in the front seat. Yeah. Yeah, we can't ride in the front seat. I know it. Maybe so, one day. And so, um, I, and so I, after, uh, during school, you, you were in a radio station then? or? Well, it was a setting. You had the control panel and all of that. You learned to operate it. And every Friday afternoon, we would be on the air at a little station in Nashville, Tennessee, as a remote broadcast. And so from that, we would record a tape and you make multiple copies, and we'd send that out to prospective radio stations that wanted to hire someone. And finally, a guy in Statesboro, Georgia, got my tape and hired me on the phone. Is what, uh, and what year was that? Do you remember? Woo, we'll have to guess. About 1959. Wow, 1959. And you uh, you'd never lived anywhere other than Tennessee. That's I right. What was life in Statesboro, Georgia like at uh, that time? It mean, was you... beautiful. When I got there, it was springtime, and they had azaleas. Oh, and they're cool. beautiful. They are beautiful. And they had um, had the girls there, of course, and I was interested in those. Oh, that's good. And one particular girl, her grandmother had what we call a backyard that was literally a garden oh. of azaleas. And that was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And that's something. And so you uh, worked at this radio station. And so in 1959, what type of music, because that was the segregated South in 1959, what type of music did you play? At that time, it was called pop, or later we called it rock and roll. Well, but was it uh, was was it well received? Oh yes, and I was one of the uh, first disc jockeys to run what we call the Coca-Cola Hi-Fi Show. What was that? And it was uh, like an hour every afternoon. We'd give away prizes, and I had a contest that they told me would never work, but it did, and. This was during the era that Coca-Cola on the bottom of the bottles would have the town and state. And so our contest was if you could get me a Coca-Cola bottle from each of the uh, continuous 48 states, the Coca-Cola distributor would fill them, give them back to you, and also give you a hi-fi radio wow hey, hey, hey. and now a high five radio is that was that, big time is that a like a transistor radio what is that no that was one with the tubes okay so it took a little bit of time to warm that thing up but the people who ran the coca-cola hi-fi they wrote me and says you'll never get them all but i did did you really we actually got all 48 bottles from different states and the way we got them is I would contact people. Let's say I, I need five more states. Well, I learned you could write the mayor of a small town, and he would be more interested in it than, say, someone from a large oh, city. Oh, sure, to promote his town. Right. Excellent. So, that, so how long were you down? So you're down in Statesboro, Georgia, and you mentioned that you had gone into the military. When did you do that? It was later. Uh, maybe. It was in the 60s or? 61. Uh, to date that, I was in Berlin, the first anniversary of the Berlin Wall. Oh, so that was, that was something. I was in the infantry, and during that time, the political nature was that we were protecting the wall. When it was the first anniversary of them building the wall or shutting it off, 
uh, in Berlin, as we know from history, families were separated by the wall. Let's right. say you live one block away. Well, when they built the wall, you could not see those relatives. Right. And so people would try to climb the wall and go over and many times got shot. One night I, I didn't see it, but I heard gunfire and I walked over there and a guy was laying on the ground. He had gotten up on the wall and they shot him off. That's something. And uh, the next morning they already had a um, memorial and I have a picture of that. That's amazing. You think about it, in your lifetime you saw the wall go up and you saw the wall come down. Yeah, as Mr. Uh, President Reagan said, Mr. Yeah. Gorbachev tear down, down this wall. wall. And there's actually part of that in my neighborhood in Los Angeles now. Yeah. Did, um, so you, uh, you, then you've gone through the military. What do you, what do you do then? Do you go back to Tennessee or? Go back in the radio. I'm visiting relatives when I get back and I get a call from my former employer. The one in States Royal, Georgia. No, by then I had gone to Waycross, Georgia. Okay. And, and these are small towns. Yeah. And, uh, Without me knowing it, the uh, U.S. Army people had notified them that I was out, and they were required by law to offer me a job. Oh. In other words, I had been interrupted with the service. Right. And right. so uh, during... You were, you were a protected class. Then, then during this time, they were trying to get the veterans, if you will, who had gotten out back into their jobs. Right. And so... They called me, they traced me down. I was visiting an aunt in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, offered me a job on the phone, basically the same thing I had before I went into the service, and I lapped that up. Oh, of course. So. Uh, now, had you ever been to Waycross, Georgia? No, not till I got a job there. So how long were you there? Oh, probably five years. Well, now, and now things have changed a little bit in the uh, in, in the world now that the Vietnam War is going on and, and uh, things are happening. Did uh, what type of music were you playing there? By then, I was still doing rock. Were you? And it was a, and it was accepted and it was popular. Oh, very. And uh, this particular chain of radio stations, they were owned by, of course, the people who had them before. But they they called them Johnny Rib Radio, and we dro we dressed up in Confederate uniforms, and we drive go karts in the parades oh, and all this that. stuff. Oh yeah. So you had you had, you had a shtick going. Did, oh yeah. Uh, and so you were there five years, and then uh, you you moved on to Perry, Georgia, Middle Georgia, and this was an updated uh, radio station that played rock and roll. It's near Macon, Georgia. So we had a lot of listeners in there. And our pride was that we had what we call Pam's Jingles. And these Pam Jingles were sold many places, including Los Angeles at KFWB, ah, Channel 98. Still yeah. there. And we were Channel 98 in Perry, Georgia. Well, now, were you, uh, was this an FM radio station? No, this was AM. Later, we did go FM. But the FM was what we call good music. Okay, and it so, was the Lawrence Welk type. Got you. So you're in, uh, so you're in, in Perry, Georgia, and you're still doing rock and roll. And yep. This is now the mid '60s, I guess. Yes. And then what? And then eventually you made a you made a big move yes. south that uh, where you stayed a long time. Yeah. In uh, in that era, 
country music was really coming up. They had a thing that country music was getting more popular, and they put the word out that they needed writers. There wasn't enough songs for people to record. And so during those days, a lot of people were writing country songs. If you could get one of the big artists to record it, it would sell a lot of records, make a few bucks. So it was money-driven. Did you write any songs? No, I never got into that. I write commercials and jingles, but I never tried to write a country song. But you you did jump on the country bandwagon. Oh, yeah. I was a country disc jockey, but I sounded like a rock jock. Okay, so that brought in people from two markets, the young young people and the conservative older people. When I went to Valdosta, I remember it was a country station. They had gotten rid of the hillbilly image. By then, you had Marty Robbins, Jim Reeves. Tammy Wynette. And the, uh, Tammy Wynette, Eddie Arnold. And so there was polished up the act. Yes, it was more posh. They added fiddles, and later they added drums. And the it, Ray Price era. Oh, sure, and it, so it, 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 the country music came out of the backwoods and into the main main. Yes, they, they quit calling it hillbilly and went to country. Now, what is the difference in, in country and country western? What's the difference in those two? Well, country and western is thought of by me as being the swing, the Bob Wills. Okay. Kind of, oh, oh, okay. So oh, it, yeah. It, it's yeah. it's a, just a, a particular type. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So you're, you're in Valdosta. You set down roots in Valdosta. Yes, I was there, married there, had children there, raised the family. And uh, you were in the... Uh, uh, and. You were with one radio station for a long time. Yeah, 20-something years, I wound up being the owner. I I went from going in as a disc jockey to 20 years later, I owned the thing. But by then, the profits were not as great. So after operating it for nine years as the sole owner, it was time to move on. Right. Well, I can remember. I will say one thing about you. You have always carried yourself with an incredible amount of class. Well, thank and, you. And the, uh, uh, I will never forget one time, well, first of all, I, the first car I think I ever saw you driving was a Buick Riviera. Yeah, it was uh, and then, burgundy in color. Burgundy in color. And then uh, then I remember you custom ordered a Cadillac. Yeah, with a Maharaja seat covers. Uh, and it was yellow. It was yellow. It was, it, it was yellow. It was a big one, too. It was yeller. It was yellow. And it was, that was a land yacht. But, but it was a two-door. And it, did it, it took a while to get it. Yes, actually, uh, the Cadillac people called the uh, distributorship and said, make sure he wants this thing. We hate to get it built and then turn it down. And So, but so they got, called me in. Are you sure you want Maharaja and you had you you had plants and you had the oh yeah I wanted. wanted the Maharaja it was actually yellow and brown yeah, what a combo. seat covers what a combo well then you had the uh, uh, and the first time I had ever seen a motorhome yep. in my life you were driving one and we drove from Middle Tennessee back to Florida in a motorhome back when gasoline was rationed yep. in the uh, in the uh, early 70s and I will never forget that uh, one of the women in the motor home started boiling uh, spaghetti noodles that and was, we cooked spaghetti going down the highway yeah we were in the traffic jam in Atlanta 
And my sister Ruby, which was your grandmother, she got back there and fired up that gas range, <laughs> and we had lunch had right a, there in the traffic. Right camp. in traffic, and had never in my life I had never seen anything like it. No, that was the best one ever. That was that was a great thing. And then, uh, but so, did you ever think your life would turn out as it has? With the uh, with uh, no, a, I a figured life. I figured one day I'd probably work in a factory somewhere. But uh, that never worked out. You know what? You but you you've been on radio. You were on radio for probably forty years. Yeah. You uh, you were on. You had a, a morning television show. Yeah, we did a one-hour TV morning show. And then uh, and then then you just you you've stayed visible. And well, and people like you. I like people. You do uh, like people. Yeah, I enjoyed just chatting with people. You know, I, I'm one of those people who can go sit on the sidewalk, and a few minutes somebody will come up and we'll talk. You know what? That's a that's a quality a lot of people don't have. Anymore. We enjoy it. Yeah. yeah, that's a quality a lot of people don't have. So we're going up to see your brother. Yep, my brother Fred. He's older. And he's, I'm 77. He's 82. 82 years old. Yep. And um, a lot of things have happened in in, in the past 78 years, the past 82 years. Yep. And a lot of people aren't here any longer. But, yep. Uh, the, uh, but you've got you've got exciting things going on now. You're you are making Anirondack chairs. Tell, I do a little woodworking. Tell, yeah. Well, tell the people what is an Anirondack chair. Well, of course, Adirondacks is an area, a geographical area, and they have different styles. And so I call these chairs I make Adirondack style chairs. It's the kind you you see mostly at the beach or around a swimming pool. But you can use them anywhere. And they're wooden. They're wooden, and I make them out of this yellow wood. And it's, uh, it's treated pine. And it, it normally, and don't they have a, a rounded back? A, a, well, any style any you want to make them, but mine do. But uh, with Anirondack chairs, don't they, uh, they're at a particular angle, aren't they? Well, you've got a lot of different angles. They're strong, first of all, and we make them out of the pressure-treated lumber. Well, I love uh, the one that you uh, you made for Dad. Since my father is not a tall guy, and you uh, actually made one that accommodates his, his leg length. Yeah, but it's painted green, I believe. Yeah, it's a, it's a great thing. I well, thought it was hunter green, but a lady who used to live in Charleston, South Carolina, or is it North Carolina? Uh, she, South, probably. North she, used, she used to live in Charleston. She says, no, that's Charleston green. Oh, there you have it. Well, so well. the people who live or used to live in Charleston... They have renamed that Hunter Green as Charleston that, Green. They, they've taken ownership. Yep. Well, that's incredible. Would you, uh, if you had any advice for anybody getting into radio or, or, or in college now, what advice would you give them? Learn all the vocabulary you can. You're going to need it. I agree with that. Yep. I agree with that. It's just learning to express yourself. And sometimes I have to resort to colloquialism. It's okay. I can express myself, but if you're from not from that particular area, you won't know what I'm talking about. Right. Well, what, yeah. what I like to say is, uh, instead of "Have you eaten?", you say "Jeet." Yeah, exactly. And, and the answer is earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a uh, that, that was I've noticed in uh, in Tennessee a lot of times they don't use the word "vill." It will be F-U-L, like no, Smithful. Like Smithful, yeah. yeah. It, it has that, that sound to it. Yeah. But anyway, listen, you are my favorite uncle, and I, I Thank you. always have a great time 
with you and I am going to look forward to many more road trips. Very good. Well, you're my great nephew. That's exactly That's right. it. Okay. Yeah. Thank and you very much. Thanks there. Bye now. Bye-bye. This is Rob Cantrell. You've been listening to Rob on Recovery with the terrific radio announcer and my uncle, Vernon Arnold. And with that, we are gone. Hey.